to The Journey Podcast. The Journey is a college and young adult ministry of South Crest Baptist Church. We hope this podcast helps you find your greatest pleasure and purpose in Jesus. Amen. Amen. Y'all can have a seat. Have a seat. Thank you, Ben, for leading us again tonight. How are you guys doing? Yeah? Y'all awake? Got a, yeah, I got a thumbs up from Cade Meredith back there. Appreciate it, brother. Hey, how many of you have heard of the, the series? This would have been, I think, early 2000s, late 90s. So I know that's something some of you are born, but I think you may know what I'm talking about. How many of you all heard about the, the Left Behind series? You know what I'm talking about? Oh, yeah. Um, so if you don't know what Left Behind is, because you're a normal person, let me explain it to you. I'm just joking. Um, so Left Behind was kind of this series based off of, uh, I, I guess, when uh, the, the idea that hey, Jesus is going to come back and, and, and take some people up, but like everyone who's not a Christian stays left behind. And so um, there's a whole big thing there, and that's not necessarily a right way of interpreting how things are going to happen, but it's one way. But they based a whole series off of it. And so what it did for me, I don't know if it did for you as a, a, a kid that could be formed uh, and, and, and frightened very easily, um, is, is that I was always constantly worried. TJ, am I coming through? Cool. I was always constantly worried that I was going to get left behind, right? I don't know if any of y'all know what I'm talking about. So there's these books, they're frightening, they're terrifying. And like what happens is this, boom, like everyone's gone. There's only a few people left and, and they don't know why. And so um, I think part of the, the, the theory is like we, we would hear this, you know, long, like big trumpet sound, like, um, like at the end time or whatever. And so like literally sometimes I would hear a train coming by and I would think, this is it, this is it. Like if I'm still here afterwards, this is not good, you know? And so, um, and there would be like times where like you, you'd walk in a room and everyone, no one was there and you'd think, this, this is it, I'm left behind. I should have known. Um, I, one time recently um, I was, like even as an adult, um, I was uh, at our uh, pastoral staff meeting. It happens about once a month on Tuesday. And we were down there and, and we met before we ate. And right at the, the close of the time before we ate, I went to the, to the, to the bathroom and, uh, you know, took my time, came back to the meeting space and all the pastors were gone. Um, and even as like a 29-year-old, I like thought, crossed my mind, I was like, oh man, this isn't good. Um, I guess it makes sense, you know. I am a sinner. Um, and I started like, like literally for about 30 seconds like rationalizing it. And then I like peeked outside and sure enough, they were walking to lunch. And so I, I was good. I'm still here. Um, y'all are still here. So if, if we're left behind, we're in it together. Um, that feeling though, um, kind of joking about a dumb left behind reference, that, that feeling though that you have almost immediately, this feeling of uh, abandonment and, and loneliness. And I wonder if any of you have ever had that. And, and if so, where does that feeling root from? This feeling of, an, and what is really happening when we're feeling abandoned? I think what's happening is that what we're experiencing is, is this emotion that's very real of like, hey, like you're kind of, you're, you're on your own, buddy. That, that type of feeling like you are isolated. Um, you don't have any help in this situation. You don't have any support in this situation. You don't have any comfort in this situation. And I think a lot of us at different points in our lives um, 
especially as I'm mentioning this as we get into week two of our series through the Psalms called Exalt. I think a lot of us have emotions um, such as like, where are you, God? We have emotions that we can kind of feel abandoned by God. We don't feel helped by him. We don't feel that he's present with us. We don't feel the sense of security and comfort that we want to. And almost maybe, whether we say it or not, this feeling like, have I been like left behind? Like, has, has God forgotten about me? And, and, and basically what happens is we've, we've lost our confidence sometimes in the goodness of God. Anybody resonate with that sometimes? We kind of lose that a little bit. Uh, maybe some of you in the room, this room, you've never had confidence in God and you're like, yeah, and it's your job tonight to convince me why I should. And I will gladly try to take up that challenge and we'll walk through it. But a lot of you in this room, I know you, I know your faces, um, know your stories and, and I know that you've been walking with the Lord and we can all feel that way. And so what I want you to do is I want you to turn to Psalm chapter 16 tonight and we're gonna dive into that. How do we combat these emotions of abandonment and loneliness in our relationship with God during hard and stressful times? You're entering your last couple weeks in this semester and it would be tempting to live in a very stressed out and a a very disconnected couple weeks from God as if he wasn't there and he wasn't close to you? How can we redeem the atypical last couple weeks of a semester that we tend to act like we're not Christians and we don't have God with us and flip that script and be like, hold on a second, we can live different. There's something different about what we have access to. So that's the question we're asking. How do we stay confident that God, you've got me through this? As we look at Psalm 16, uh, it says that this is a a mictum of David. This could have been uh, a poem. This could have been something um, that he was singing. Mike may be going out soon, man. We'll see what happens. This will be fun. Um, And so uh, we think David wrote this. And and the title of mine is, You Will Not Abandon My Soul. That's the kind of subtitle I get. And so obviously David um, got a pretty cool story. We don't usually... uh, associate him, um, I, I don't, like with this weak faith or so, but apparently um, he's struggling with the same question we are. And he's kind of reaching out to God about this. And so if y'all will let me, uh, we kind of approach weeks differently sometimes. I just want to walk through this with you. It's just kind of verse by verse and just kind of chew on some of these things. And so let's begin reading. Preserve me, O God, for in you I take refuge. And and so right off the bat, we have this intense decision that David is making. He's saying, preserve me, like, hey, like, what's the opposite of being preserved? Somebody just shouted out. Not being preserved, (laughs) is that what someone said? (laughs) Yeah, nailed it. That's right. Um, Maybe death. Maybe not surviving. Yeah. Yeah, there's, there's a lot there. And so, but he's saying to God, preserve me, sustain my life. He's in a situation where he's feeling maybe so abandoned or whatever that he's leaning into God. He's saying, God, I need you. You are my refuge. It's not like 
You're not my once a week God. Like I need you to protect me and sustain me. So Ralph, that is the assumption of David. Hear this out. And you need to assume this too. The assumption of David is that if there is preservation and refuge, that it's gonna be found in God first. You see that? Right off the bat. Verse two. I say to the Lord, you are my Lord. I have no good apart from you. There's also in verse in Psalm 73, verse 25, um, that the psalmist asked, whom I, have I in heaven but you? And, and earth has nothing I desire besides you. It's, it's kind of like he, he's saying like, God, my life without you is like Colorado without mountains. I mean, like, what's the point, right? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, the people are nice. Never heard that. Like, we go to Colorado for the mountains, all right? People are nice here and love it. Sorry if you're from Colorado. Everyone just got really awkward. Um, And he's saying, like, my life without you has no purpose and meaning whatsoever. Verse three. As for the saints in the land, they are the excellent ones in whom is all my delight. I'll be honest, I have read Psalm 16 for years. I've loved this Psalm for years. And I have skipped over this part for years. I've never cared to know what this weird little section means. Like, I was like, this is strange. Like, saints, what are we talking about? But I was like, God was like, hey, dude, you gotta like teach that. So you may wanna lean into this and see what's going on. And so I kind of looked into this And here is an explanation from a scholar um, known as John Calvin. He said, we ought therefore highly value and esteem the true and elevated servants of God and to regard nothing as of greater importance than to connect ourselves with their society. And this will actually do if we wisely reflect in what true excellence and dignity consist. And do not allow the vain splendor of the world and its deceitful pomps to dazzle our eyes. Here's what this is getting at and here's what Calvin is helping us see. A couple weeks ago in our devoted series, we said that we are, Jesus followers are to be devoted to the fellowship. This is what this psalm is even getting at. He's saying, my, my, my delight is in other brothers and sisters. My delight is in other people of God. And that, I love how Calvin words this. Let me go back to that um, and to regard nothing as of greater importance than to connect ourselves with their society. What he's saying is like, we should prioritize and treasure the opportunity to be in the same social circles with people that are also of God. You tracking with me? Like this should be something that we delight in. And I have to just think that what David is getting at is that if we want to not feel abandoned, I think sometimes God's like, why haven't you been to a worship gathering in weeks if you don't want to feel abandoned? Because I've given you people to delight in and walk with and live life with. I think that's what David is getting at here in Psalm 16, verse 3. I think he knows, hey, this feeling that I'm having is going to be remedied first by coming to God and saying, I need you as my refuge. And then the people around me that as I rub shoulders with them, they just seem to make me more like Jesus because I've been around them. And that's who he wants to be around. That's who he wants to be encouraging him during this time. Let's move on to verse four. 
it says, the sorrows of those who run after another God shall multiply. Their drink offerings and blood I will not pour out or take their names on my, my lips. And so I wanna, wanna go backwards just a little bit, make sure. Oh, no, that, that's verse five. Uh, let me just keep reading. He said, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my lot. And so what's happening here is that David is feeling a certain way. He's feeling this abandonment. He's trying to press into God and saying, hey, I'm gonna find refuge in you. And what he's probably tempted to do is to find refuge in other gods of the day, other gods that would promise things like prosperity and wealth and success and battle and comforts. Like, you know, there was like literally a God for everything. Like you just think of a topic and there was a God for that. Like for sure, I guarantee you, like we couldn't be creative enough. They would just make gods for random things. And check this out. It says their drink offerings and blood I will not pour out. They would have offerings that they would give to these gods, similar, kind of borrowing from the idea of, of ancient Israel making sacrifices to the one and true God, Yahweh. But he says this, the, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. You hold my life. He's like, I'm not going to run after those other things. I'm not even going to say the names. You'll see that or take their names on my lips, like the things that people are going after. Pursuit of wealth and success and, and power and prestige and education, comfort, whatever. He said, I don't even want those things coming off my lips. Like, I want them totally canceled out of my life so I can have an undivided attention to what's, what's really there, what's really going to sustain me, and that's God. It's, it, it, it's like, it's kind of like what tech fans did to Chris Beard. They're like, I don't want anything to do with him anymore, all right? Like, we're moving on. Like, that's how canceled, so to speak, the, these other gods are. He said, I don't want anything to do with them. I'm not even going to mention their names. Any other thing that tries, gosh, dang, sorry, that scares me. <laughs> Any other thing that tries to vouch for my attention, to vouch for my heart's desires besides God. No, I just like them. I disdain them. I reject them so much. I don't even want to hear the, th the names of those things coming off my lips. Are you tracking with that? This is an intense turning away from anything except for God. In verse five, the Lord is my chosen portion of my cup. You hold my lot. The lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Indeed, I have a beautiful inheritance. When you hear the word portion and cup, what do you think of? Last Supper? Oh, brother, I like that. I wasn't even ready for that. That's a, that's a different sermon. I like that. That's good. Yeah, when you hear the word portion, you think of something to eat, right? Yours is so much better, man. Now I want to talk on that. Um, and when you hear the word cup, you think about something to drink, right? Now check this out. I don't know why commentators that I read didn't pick this up. He says in verse four, the drink offerings of blood I will not pour out. These offerings to idols, they happen probably, cups, containers. But he says, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. He said, the only offering I'm offering to God is, actually, wait a minute, hold on. No, God, God is my food. God is my drink. He's it. 
you guys are chasing after other gods, offering sacrifices or whatever. My God and what David didn't know and what we know is that Jesus poured out his blood for us in one final offering on the cross that we might go free. He, so to speak, drank the cup of God's wrath on the cross for us so that we wouldn't have to. And so David was on to something and we see the fuller picture, the complete picture. And so he's saying to God, you are my food and my drink. You are essential to me. You're all I, I need. And I, I think maybe to kind of bring you into this, this is, this is why fasting exists. This is why Christians fast. To, to fast from food, what you're basically doing is you're saying to God, I need you in my relationship with you even more than I need food and drink, despite the fact that you created me with a physical body that needs food and drink to live. And so you're saying that, hey, if, if I die of starvation, but I have you, I wake up into eternal paradise with you. But if I have a full belly going into death without you, I have an eternity and hell apart from you. So God, even more than food and drink, I need you. You are my food. You are my drink. You are the thing that holds me together and sustains me. Y'all feel that? Some of those beautiful words, the truth you can, he's saying to God in this confession, in this poem. And the lines have fallen for me in pleasant places indeed have a beautiful Inheritance. Why, why is that? He's saying, Lord, because you are my inheritance, receiving you and a relationship with you, I, I don't have this need really for, for, for anything else. I don't have to have more success or wealth or, or, or comfort because you provide a far greater pleasure. He's like, I, I look at, at all that I have it may not be much, but I look at what I have in you and I am content. Y'all ever heard the saying, with more money comes more problems? Y'all heard that? It's, it's true. You can ask Caitlin, like, we get a tax return. Well, what are we gonna do with it? You know what I mean? It's like, uh-oh. <laughs> you know what I mean? Then we gotta have a talk and I gotta be a man and mature and say, like, yeah, we should probably use it for a responsible thing. More money equals more problems. Some of you aren't content because you don't have enough of what you think you need. Some of you aren't content because you haven't graduated yet. Some of you aren't content because you don't have that relationship or that marriage that you want or that, that job or that, um, just the, the popularity and the, and, the, and the reputation. You're like, when I have that, I'll be content. But all of those things in more doses creates more problems. They will not sustain you. But more of God... <laughs> does not lead to more problems. More God equals more contentment. Verse seven. I bless the Lord who gives me counsel. In the night also, my heart instructs me. I've set the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I shall not be shaken. So the idea is by day, the Lord gives wisdom and at night, God speaks this gentle insight. And God's nearness to us is why we won't be shaken. And so, so right now, a lot of you, I mean, kind of going back to the verse before, and we're struggling with some contentment. We're struggling with some contentment. Like we just know if we can just get to this next season of life, if we can just have this, oh man, we'll be so complete. When in reality, 
God's chosen portion for you, what he's given to you, his inheritance, where you're living and what you have, it's enough. And it doesn't even matter what you have physically because you have him. You should be content. But what happens, right? I bless the Lord who gives me counsel in the night. My heart instructs me. He's trying to instruct you, give you wisdom and remind you of that. And you start kind of looking around. I don't know. It's a nice truck. Dang. I don't know, man, like that major may be better. It may give me more fulfillment. And you start to feel shaken. You start to feel uneasy. And what he's saying here, because God is at my right hand, I will not be shaken. We're sitting here looking around, wondering what else is out there. And, God, and God's like, I'm right here. <laughs> like, I, I'm right here. If you could just focus on that, you'd have more than all that you could ever hope for. And look at this, guys, because he does think like this. Well, listen, if you've been a Christian for a long time, you should, we, we cannot walk away confused tonight on this point. Because David sees, man, I have God with me. I'm not gonna be shaken. I'm not gonna be stirred to chase after other things. Look at this. He says, verse nine, therefore, my heart is glad. Like, when was the last time you said, I am genuinely happy? Right? I, when I ask how you're doing to all of you, it's, I never, you never say, my heart is glad, <laughs> right? You're like, well, dude, that's kind of a dumb way to say it. Yes, I know, I know. But I think you get the picture. How many times did I say that? Man, I, I, I could so much more. But because he's saying, the Lord is in my right hand, I'm content with just having him. My heart is glad. My whole being rejoices. It's like from head to toe through the bone. I am, I'm not shaken in a troublesome way. Like I'm shaken with joy and contentment for the Lord and how he loves me. My flesh dwells secure. For you will not abandon my soul to seal or let your holy one see Corruption. See, what this is getting at is while we're alive, we have the security of God's presence. And when we die, we have the eternal security of being in a perfect paradise with him forever. So David is like, in life and death, we're good. Did you know that both Peter and Paul quote verse 10 in the New Testament as an apologetic for the resurrection? They're saying this is a reference to Jesus that he was not abandoned the seal, that not let your holy one see corruption because Jesus conquered the grave. And so as new covenant people of God, as Christians living in the new covenant of Christ, we can look at this verse 10 and say, amen. Amen. <laughs> in life or death, we win. <laughs> it's rigged. Why? Because our inheritance, if you're in Christ, is Jesus. In life or death, you get Jesus. And admittedly, my favorite verse in this psalm, you make known to me the path of life. Again, this is, this is someone whose posture is saying, I'm gonna be glad in the Lord even if I live in a shack. I'm gonna be glad in the Lord even if I graduate and I don't get my dream job like literally ever. It doesn't matter. I have Jesus. And this is his heart's posture. And he says, you made, <clears throat> excuse me, 
You made known to me the path of life. And in your presence, there is fullness of joy. Back to verse eight. He's at our right hand. He's near. He's with us. In your presence, there is fullness of joy. And at your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Oh, friends, you don't have a single person in your life that's not Jesus that can, you can say that about, right? We, we get let's be real, like we spend a couple hours with our friends and we're annoyed, right? Like, we're like, hey, I gotta do some homework. You just went home to do some Netflix to get a break, right? Like, come on now. Like, we can't spend a time with someone even for a, a full day and saying like, oh, their presence was just fullness of joy. It's like, nah, it's time to go home, right? But there is, you make known to me the path of life. There is this life-giving, beautiful, amazing fullness of joy in the presence of our Lord. And he's inviting you into that. It's not like, hey, like, pay 30 bucks and you can have this. Like, cause that, that's true, you are in trouble, I, I know. Like, yeah, I got 30 bucks, man. He's saying, I'm at your right hand. I'm, I, you, you have me right now. Even more than that, if you're in Christ, he's given you his Holy Spirit that dwells within you, like in you. And she's here, I'll, I'll say this, since it's kind of funny. I remember the first time uh, that Caitlin and I, when we were dating in high school, I remember the first, some of y'all may remember this, the first time we held hands, right? Right, y'all remember holding hands? Okay, some of you are like, bro, don't talk about it, man. I haven't done that yet, okay, I'm sorry. But like, I remember the first time you're holding hands, you're kind of sitting there and you know, like, like, I'm the guy, so I usually have to initiate, right? I've got to do that. And, um, and so I'm kind of like, you know, trickling the hand down, you know, the leg. And, and then she looks over, I'm like, you know. I get my phone out, act like I'm texting somebody. I'm just sitting there like, okay, what do I need to do? And then I'm like, man, you know what? Maybe I'll just go, go like, arm over, you know? Just like, go, you know, go for it. And she looks over, and I'm just like, you know, and all right, third time's a charm. And finally, you know, come over and, and then I'm like, crap, hands cupped or fingers laced? You know what I'm talking about? Like, I'm down for either, babe. You know that. Like, we're married. Once you get married, like, you ain't gotta be the fingers laced cool thing. Like, you, you know, just hands cupped, it's fine. But I was like, I gotta show what I got. You know, I can do fingers laced. We can roll with that. All right, and so I've kind of got that hand over and they're holding hands, fingers laced. And just that, this is ridiculous. <laughs> just, just that feeling, right? I was like, oh, we're doing it. You know what I mean? It's like, it's happening. We're holding, I'm holding hands with Caitlin Harrison. That was her maiden name. And to think like that feeling like of, of like joy and happiness, I, like at the time, I didn't know for sure, like be my wife. That's a whole different thing. But just at the time, like the amount, the amount of joy and happiness I, I had in, in, in that, just something that simple, at having 
her at my side, someone I care for, that I like, have affections for, um, and just holding her hand and the amount of joy that I got for that. And, and Caitlin would af- af- confirm this with you. That having Jesus at my right hand far surpasses anything that she can ever give to me. And I forget that. And let's bypass the, the um, cheesy, romantic high school drama that I just let you into. Um, and let's just talk about the fact that that feeling that I had just with holding hands with her at that time of joy, that to infinite links is the kind of joy <laughs> that Jesus wants to invite us into. He wants us, so to speak, giddy about being in his presence. He, he wants us having this anticipation and excitement to come to him. You can at any time in the day, but to come to him in the morning and wanna just dwell with him, spend time with him, read his word and, and, and pray to him. And he's promising, in my presence, there's fullness of joy. And so there's some of you in this room who either have been diagnosed or self-diagnosed or think or speculate that you're depressed. And, and I would just say that I've said this um, back when COVID first hit, we did a series in the fruit of the spirit. I believe mental illness is, is a real thing. I'm not that person that tries to exist that it doesn't. I, I believe that there are plentiful times where, where medicine is not only a good idea, it's sometimes absolutely necessary. I have family members that if between taking a pill and not, they're a totally different person and totally dysfunctional. And so I, I'm with you in that. I think that's a necessary caveat. But I just want to say, if you're feeling these feelings of depression or whatever, um, and it's also accompanied with the fact that you're never spending time with Jesus, then how will you ever know if he has fullness of joy just waiting for you? Pill or no pill. You may still be doing that, and that's fine. You may have a level that you just, you need God through God's common grace. That, <laughs> and that's beautiful, that's good. Medicine is good. But if, if our lives, let's, let's go to, towards anxiety and, and, and panic attacks and anguish and it's constantly obsessing over our future and what's going to happen. And you're just like, man, I, I just need some, some counseling. And I'm, and I'm pro-counseling. I, I love it. I've been to counseling several different seasons in my life. Probably will again here in a couple months as I think it's good to go to. Just to kind of check in. But, if, but I would just say, if you're gonna kind of use these sub-remedies um, and, and, and all the while, never spend time with Jesus, how in the world will you ever know if actually the answer to what you're dealing with is really just spending time with him and entering the fullness of joy and life and peace that he has for you? I'm gonna take one more stab at this because I want this to land, friends, because I have to get up here and, and see how many people are not here because anxiety has just driven them and panic has driven them and depression has driven them to isolate themselves. And I, I don't want you to be in that boat and I want you to care for whoever that is and bring them back in. So I'm gonna say this one more time, is that whatever you're dealing with, if you are not dwelling in the sweetness and presence of Jesus in whom offers us fullness of joy, you will never feel complete. You will never feel whole. You should 
feel out of whack if you're not spending with Jesus. No pill, no counseling session, no meeting with me or our staff or talking out or venting with a friend can replace the risen Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And wherever you're at today, even if you've never heard when I just said something like that, he's inviting you in. He healed people with diseases. He healed people, you know that, like with the demons, Jesus did. He healed, don't you know that he healed people that were mentally ill? Of course he did. Of course he did. I'm not saying all your problems are gonna go away, but why, why don't you just entrust to him in the thickness of life? Why don't you just try for a week <laughs> to embrace the fact that Psalm 16 just might be true. Just try it for a week. Go there tomorrow morning, read Psalm 16. Again, you've already got a, like, a, a, like a, a quick exposition of, you know what it's about, and just pray over it. As we close, um, I wanna have Corbin come up. I want you guys to turn with me while he's coming up to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. Verses 38 to 42. Luke chapter 10, verses 38 to 42. Now, if you remember in Psalm 16, I want you to be looking for the word that's in verse five of Psalm 16, it says, the Lord is my chosen portion in my cup. I just want you to remember that word, portion. So Luke chapter 10. Now as they went on their way, Jesus entered a village and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. As, and she had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet and listen to his teaching. But Martha, but Martha was distracted with much serving. And she went up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Tell her then to help me. So she's distracted from sitting at the Lord's feet and even trying to get her sister to be distracted as well. Verse 41, but the Lord answered her, Martha, Martha. I don't think he said it angrily. I think he said it, you know, when our, our, our dads, our moms are just like, oh, Cole, Cole. <laughs> you know, I think, Martha, Martha, you're anxious and troubled about many things. Verse 42, but one thing is necessary. One thing. Mary has chosen the good portion which will not be taken away from her. Raise your hand if you tend to be a lot like Martha in this story. I'm raising my hand. Yeah. No lie in church, y'all. Come on now. All right. And we can get. Oh, and we're just so convinced, right? That like, 
there are more important things right now, Jesus. Like, get with the program, Jesus. If I don't pass this class, my life is over because you don't sustain the world and don't have an answer for that scenario. You know what I'm saying? Like, we just are so convinced that, hey, Jesus, like, just not right now. Like, I'm doing this. And, and I want you to get into this scene with me and Luke like Martha has the son of God in her house and she misses it oh my gosh she misses it and Mary gets it Mary in this situation would have probably always helped Martha with cooking a meal but for some reason Martha didn't it didn't dawn on her to like hey didn't that didn't that dude like turn water into wine like, I bet he could make us a meal with a snap of his finger like it just didn't dawn on her she was so worried about all these things that she missed Jesus in her very home just wanting to sit with her <laughs> and Mary gets it Mary gets it and, 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 and Jesus gently tells Martha like she's chosen the good portion and I, and I have to just hope that Martha was like you're right and she came and sat down you know and Jesus snapped and some Chick-fil-A sandwiches fell down you know and it was amazing dinner you know I just have to believe it <laughs> Friends, that reality in Luke is, is happening every single day of your life. You have to make a choice every single day of what your portion is going to be. Is it going to be Jesus or is it going to be something else? And every single one of you, no matter where you've come from, no matter what you've gone through, no matter who your mama or daddy is, no, even if you don't even know who they are, or whatever life circumstance that you could think of possibly, Jesus is inviting you to, to sit with him and to come with him. And he's promising fullness of joy. And I don't know about you, but where fullness of joy is geographically, I'm going there. Y'all gonna follow me? <laughs> geographically, if you're in Christ, fullness of joy is in you. <laughs> Isn't that cool? And so what you do tomorrow morning is you just walk in that reality. I'm gonna have our, our staff uh, come up here and they're gonna be kind of up here at, at the front. And, and I think some of you in this room, like you've been following Jesus and, but like, man, your, your life does not, you don't feel this fullness of joy. You don't feel this type of presence that we're talking about. But I hope by God's spirit and by God's grace, you're convinced tonight. And by the way, Brandon says this on Sundays, when you come up here for, for prayer, it's, it's not like, like you should know that someone that's coming up here, it's not like they've murdered someone, right? Like it's not like that. You can come up here for anything. Maybe there's sin you're dealing with. Maybe you just want us to pray for you because you've been terrified to bring someone into what your struggles are. But maybe that's you. You've been following with Jesus and, and you just need to, to talk to Katie, Jace, or Seth or Andrea or myself and, and just be like, I, I need help and, and choosing Jesus once again as my portion and, and, and my cup and my greatest pleasure and, and my delight and we will celebrate that with you. How do I know that? Because that's a prayer I have to say so often. If 
I were sitting in your chairs tonight, I would probably come up to one of them and pray to you. And so that's what we want to invite you into. We just want to celebrate and, and pray for you and love you through what God's stirring in your heart. And there may be some of you tonight that like, you have never, ever been convinced that Jesus has anything for you. But you're like, wait a minute, fullness of joy? I've never heard that before. Tell me more about that. And we would love to talk with you about that. The one who, because he died for the sins that we should have died for and rose from the dead, a a resurrection that we could not do. We're dead in our sin. We've all rebelled against God because of what he has done for us. And by believing in him, you can have the fullness of joy being restored to a relationship with God. You've never thought about that before, but you're thinking that's something that nothing else that I've ever pursued has given me. No relationship, no drugs, no whatever, no pursuit, no movement, whatever you're following, I don't know what you're doing. You're like, this is something that I want to know more about. And we want you to come and and pray with us or talk with us. They'll be at the front, I'll be at the back. There's lots of things we can pursue. There's lots of, lots of things. greatest present that you could ever receive is the presence of Christ and he's saying I'm here I'm with you and he's calling you to spend time with him and to choose him as your good portion let's pray Jesus you are better you are not only the only good that we could ever have. You are the greatest good that we could ever imagine. And you just freely give yourself to us out of nothing we deserve. And so I I just pray, God, that some of us are tired and weary and exhausted. I'm praying that we would run to your presence again and, and find that fullness of joy that maybe we once knew when we first came to you. And you restore some hearts that that hearts and souls would leave here tonight rested and refreshed and renewed. Maybe been following Christ for years and maybe for the first time ever. I ask that you do that in our hearts tonight, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. We hope you are encouraged by today's podcast. If you'd like to learn more about The Journey, check us out on Instagram or Facebook at The Journey LBK. Thanks for listening.